You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. If walls could talk inside one of America's most notoriously haunted hotels, what would they say? The Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado is one of the most historic spots in all of America, with a reputation for its beauty and also for its ghosts. Since the hotel opened its doors in 1909, countless souls have checked in for a stay, but some apparently never checked out. The hotel has seen a lot in its years, from a major gas explosion that destroyed part of the hotel, to spook guests fleeing their rooms in the middle of the night, still dressed in their PJs. The story of the Stanley is a captivating one, and you'd be hard-pressed to find someone whose stay at the hotel wasn't a memorable one. The Stanley Hotel is famous for a few reasons. First, for its place and importance in the history of Estes Park, Colorado, and the development of the area. Secondly, for its connection to Stephen King and The Shining. Pretty crazy to think that the Stanley Hotel inspired one of the most popular horror films in history. And lastly, it's famous for the supposed hauntings and paranormal activity associated with the hotel. Today, we're talking about one of the most fascinating places in all of America. The Stanley Hotel. I'm Avery Ross, and this is Avery After Dark. This is one episode I've been pretty excited about for a while, so if you're tuning in, you're in for a real treat. I'm so happy to let you all know that Avery After Dark is now a visual podcast, so you can watch every episode here on YouTube. So come on over and subscribe to the Avery After Dark YouTube channel. So many of the cases and stories come along with such interesting photos and videos like our episode today. So now Avery After Dark is your one-stop destination. If you're in the mood to listen, you can. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you listen. And if you're feeling like you want to sit down with me and watch an episode, I'm here for you every week on YouTube. Follow along wherever you listen to Avery After Dark. Leave a comment here on YouTube and turn on the notification bell so you never, ever miss an episode. And if you're really feeling the love today, head on over and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It all helps so much in growing Avery After Dark so I can continue creating more and more for you all. You know, I do all of this on my own, so every bit of support helps, so thank you. Now let's get into today's episode because we're talking about the one, the only, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Now, to be a real ghost story lover, you have to know about the Stanley Hotel. Some consider it to be the most haunted place in all of America. Whew. Tucked away near the entrance of Rocky Mountain National Park, just an hour outside of bustling downtown Denver, Colorado, sits one of the country's most notoriously haunted destinations, 
the Stanley Hotel. This historic 140-room Colonial Revival Hotel in Estes Park is one of the oldest hotels still standing in Colorado, which is amazing. It's been treating its guests to luxurious amenities, gorgeous mountain views, and a variety of frightening folklore since the hotel first opened on July 4, 1909. 113 years ago, the Stanley opened its doors to visitors. Wild. With the hotel's history, as well as its claim to fame, being the place that left horror author Stephen King shaking in his boots, it's no wonder that it's long been attracting its fair share of both ghost hunters and lovers of the paranormal. Hands down, what makes the Stanley Hotel so interesting is its history. Let's go all the way back. Estes Valley, way, way back in the day, was once a lonely parkland known only to wandering tribes like the Arapaho. The land was a paradise of rushing streams and peaceful meadows, set along one of the most stunning mountain backdrops on planet Earth. Estes sits with spectacular views in every direction of the high peaks of Rocky Mountain National Park. When the Earl of Dunraven visited in 1872, he wanted to buy the land up and use it as his own personal private hunting preserve. The Earl of Dunraven wanted all of Estes all for himself. He did not want to share it. Between 1872 and 1884, Lord Dunraven had claimed nearly 15,000 acres of the Estes Valley, making him one of the largest foreign holders of American land. And as you can imagine, Lord Dunraven wasn't too popular with the local American ranchers and farmers. These were hardworking American folks, and they didn't quite enjoy seeing this wealthy lord from across the pond coming over and staking claim on so much American land. And Lord Dunraven saw more and more American settlers were drawn to the beauty and peace of Estes Valley. And he realized he wasn't going to be able to keep it all to himself. He eventually left Estes in 1884 and went back to England. So sad. Toodaloo, Lord Dunraven. Bye-bye. This brings us to Freeland Oscar Stanley. In 1903, Freeland Oscar Stanley arrived to Estes Valley, and he was not in good shape. Now, Freeland was an inventor. Namely, he was the co-founder with his brother Francis Edgar Stanley of the Stanley Motor Carriage Company, which built steam-powered automobiles. Stanley didn't come from a very wealthy family growing up, but education and knowledge of science, poetry, and music was important. Stanley really built himself up and is remembered as one of America's greatest inventors. He was a very tenacious and driven man, but when he arrived to Estes, he was weak, underweight, and sickly. Stanley was at death's doorstep. He was stricken with life-threatening tuberculosis. The highly contagious bacterial infection of the lungs was spreading like wildfire in the growing cities of New England, where Stanley lived with his wife. By the dawn of the 19th century, tuberculosis, or consumption as they called it, had killed one in seven of all people that lived. Victims of TB would suffer from hacking, bloody coughs, debilitating pain in their lungs and body, and increased fatigue. At this time in history, the most highly recommended treatment of the day was fresh dry air with lots of sunlight and a healthy diet. So as many lungers, as they called them, Stanley headed for the Rocky Mountains at the suggestion of his doctor. 
Stanley and his wife Flora arrived to Denver, Colorado in March 1903 and moved to Estes for the rest of the summer. Stanley was trying to feel better and recover. The couple rented a primitive cabin from the owners of the Elkhorn Lodge. And incredibly, Stanley spent only one season here and his health improved dramatically. Impressed by the beauty of the valley and grateful for his recovery, he made a promise to come back every summer for his own good. And because he and Flora loved it there, the two began coming back every summer. It was their home away from home. But this was a couple who were used to the high life on the East Coast. The city amenities, the bustling social scene, fine dining, luxury accommodations. So they weren't impressed with the few options for lodging that the Valley offered or the lack of a social scene. They built a house for themselves in the Valley with the help of an architect, but they began to think bigger. Freeland Oscar Stanley, an inventor, was a man of creation. Stanley and his wife resolved to opening a grand hotel in Estes Park and wanted to turn Estes Park into a resort town, a place where people from all over can come, renew themselves amongst the gorgeous Rocky Mountains, grow healthier and stronger, get away from the hustle and the bustle of city life, but also stay in a nice hotel and enjoy social activities. The best of both worlds. In 1907, Freeland began construction of the Stanley Hotel, a 48-room hotel that catered to moderately wealthy urbanites. The land was purchased in 1908 through the representatives of Lord Dunraven. And when trying to come up with a name for the hotel, Freeland originally suggested the hotel be named the Dunraven in an attempt to appease and honor the prior owner of the land. But the locals were like, nah, we just got rid of that guy. We don't want this hotel to be named after him. No way. They were so sickened by the thought of this, 180 people signed a buckskin petition requesting Stanley name it after himself instead. So he did. The main hotel and concert hall were completed in 1909 and the manor in 1910. And can you guess how much it cost to build? $500,000. That's it. What a steal. In order to bring guests from the nearest train depot in the foothills of Lyons, Colorado, Stanley's car company made a fleet of specifically designed steam-powered vehicles and they named them Mountain Wagons. Each of these seated multiple passengers. This was an entirely new, innovative experience Stanley created. And when the hotel opened in 1909, the first guests who pulled up in stylish Stanley-designed steam cars were astonished at what they saw. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. Here in this mountain wilderness, guests pulled up to see the Stanley and it was beautiful. A hotel that offered luxurious accommodations, the Stanley Hotel withstood comparison to the posh hotels back east. Electric lights, telephones, in-suite bathrooms, a uniformed staff, and a fleet of automobiles were at the guest disposal. In all, Freeland Oscar Stanley did so much to develop Estes Park and put it on the map, so to speak. When the Stanley Hotel opened, it was known to be one of the few hotels in the world to be completely powered by modern electricity. However, because the property was so isolated, they had to install an auxiliary gas lighting system. And here we have the first tragedy the Stanley would see. 
That gas system exploded one night in 1911. At the time, room 217 was the presidential suite, an L-shaped room that took up the space that now houses two rooms, room 217 and 215. On the evening of June 25th of that year, a thunderstorm cut the power and all the hotel's guests were taken down to the lobby while the staff was charged with lighting the backup gas lamps. There was an unknown gas leak when chambermaid Elizabeth Wilson entered room 217 with a lit candle and ended up sparking a major gas explosion. The gas didn't have an odor in that time period, so she couldn't smell anything. And as soon as she entered the room, there was an instant explosion. The massive blast destroyed nearly 10% of the Stanley Hotel, its entire West Wing. It was a compression explosion, so it actually put out its own fire. Otherwise, it would have burned down the hotel because it's made of mostly wood. But the force of the explosion sent Wilson crashing into the dining room located directly underneath room 217. She suffered two broken ankles, but recovered from her injuries. Stanley paid all of her medical bills, and she recuperated. Upon arriving back to work at the Stanley, Wilson was made head chambermaid and worked at the hotel until her death in the 1950s. Along with Miss Wilson, the explosion also injured eight other people, but miraculously, no one was killed. And if you heard that room number and said, wait a second. Yes, a very interesting detail from the explosion, it's said that Elizabeth Wilson was hurled from room 217. The same room Stephen King and his wife stayed in. The same infamous room that so many have reported experiencing paranormal events inside. Room 217? Pretty spooky. And reports of paranormal experiences in the hotel did not start until 1911, right after the explosion. Now, the hotel was a pastime for Stanley, as he had many other businesses. He even said the hotel cost more money than it made each summer, so it wasn't very profitable. But he and his wife, Flora, loved it there. The presence of the hotel greatly contributed to the growth of Estes Park and also the creation of the Rocky Mountain National Park. So thank you to Freeland Oscar Stanley. Throughout the years, the hotel switched ownership. In 1926, Stanley sold the hotel to a private company, but they ran it into the ground almost, so he came back in and purchased back the property out of foreclosure. And he sold it again in 1930. Freeland Oscar Stanley lived to be 91 years old and died in 1940, one year after his wife, Flora. And although Freeland and Flora passed on, they didn't seem to truly go away, at least according to several hotel visitors and staff members. Freeland's ghost has reportedly been seen hovering behind employees at the reception desk, along the main staircase, and wandering the halls. Apparently, he's still keeping an eye on the hotel. And his wife, Flora, can still be heard playing the piano in the hotel's music room. The couple continues to watch over their beloved hotel from beyond the grave. By the 1970s, the hotel's splendor had faded due to a lack of care and investment. These older historic buildings take a lot of money to keep up. And the Stanley Hotel was on the brink of being no more. It might have eventually have succumbed to the wrecking ball, if not for a visit by a certain author. A man by the name of Stephen King. He booked a one-night stay at the Stanley Hotel, and it was enough to inspire his third major work in the first hardcover bestseller, The Shining. 
which remains a landmark masterpiece in a long and well-known list of novels. In October 1974, a young Stephen King and his wife Tabitha decided to take a late summer trip from their home in Boulder to nearby resort town Estes Park. Many locals suggesting to them, you gotta check out this hotel. So the couple booked a night at the Stanley Hotel just a few days before they closed for the winter season. In the room they were assigned for their stay was room 217. This room would prove to be the catalyst for one of Stephen King's most memorable novels, one that would years later be adapted by Stanley Kubrick and become one of the most talked about horror films of the century. Of all time, really. And during his stay, Stephen King said it all started with a nightmare. Stephen King and his wife got tucked into bed that evening and fell asleep. But then, Stephen King had a nightmare. He said the dream consisted of watching helplessly as his young son was being chased through the halls of the Stanley Hotel by an enormous living fire hose, one that would eventually went out wrapping his son like a giant snake and swallowing him whole. Very interesting that he had a dream about a fire hose when that very room was the very location of the explosion so many decades before. King said he woke up in a pool of his own sweat, retreating to his hotel window to smoke a cigarette and think about what he had just dreamt. There, looking out into the seclusion of the Colorado wilderness, the first idea for The Shining came to him. In a 1977 interview by the Literary Guild, King recounted and said, While we were living in Boulder, we heard about this terrific old mountain resort hotel and decided to give it a try. But when we arrived, they were just getting ready to close for the season and we found ourselves the only guests in the place, with all these long, empty corridors. The novel, which would become a major part of 20th century pop culture, tells the story of an alcoholic writer and his family staying at a secluded Colorado resort known as the Overlook Hotel. When the haunted hotel is stirred awake by the sun's psychic power known as The Shining, the story, Stephen King's first huge success, would go on to sell more than 350 million copies worldwide and was eventually adapted by renowned filmmaker Stanley Kubrick, whose vision came to meet similar acclaim. But there was one person who was famously disapproving of the final product, Stephen King himself. He took issue with Kubrick's decision not to film at the Stanley Hotel, which inspired the story. Kubrick made the decision to film in England and some scenes in Montana and Oregon. This decision was made since the Stanley lacked sufficient snow and electricity. Still, Stephen King was not pleased with the final product of the film and made it clear in several interviews. The exterior of the hotel shown in the film is actually Timberland Lodge in Mount Hood, Oregon. The second adaption, spearheaded by King himself, would be filmed at the Stanley Hotel, better fitting his original vision to television. This also honored the terror he felt that night long ago in Room 217. Room 217, as well as the Stanley's reputation as a whole, continues to scare not just in the land of television, movies, and literature, but in the real world. This movie came out and it was an instant hit. Other than it being one of the scariest movies ever, it made everyone ask, what hotel was this based on? Who doesn't love the story of a haunted hotel? And word got out that the historic Stanley Hotel was King's inspiration. And it wasn't long before the hotel's phones began ringing off the hooks and guests began pouring in. 
itching for a spooky experience. From supernatural enthusiasts to folks who just wanted to experience the hotel for themselves, business was booming. The Shining successfully revived the Stanley Hotel and secured its future. The film, and until 1983, the hotel was only open during the summer, shutting down for the winter every year. But now it's open year round, further increasing its popularity and sustainability. Who wouldn't want to check into the Stanley Hotel on a chilly fall evening during spooky season? On Halloween? That's right up our alley. The Stanley was also the location for the hotel in the 1994 comedy Dumb and Dumber. The movie follows two friends, Lloyd and Harry, played by Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. During filming, actor Jim Carrey decided to stay the night at the Stanley Hotel, and he specifically requested to stay in the infamous room 217. So story goes, Jim Carrey checked in, got into his room, even did some exploring, wandering around the hallways of the hotel and lobby before settling into bed for the evening. But things got creepy fast. Jim only stayed just a few hours when he abruptly left in the middle of the night. He was apparently totally spooked by the events that happened inside that room. Now, what really happened to him remains a mystery, as unlike many others, Jim hasn't spoken publicly about what transpired. But word on the street is, as he was lying alone in bed that night, he began to hear disembodied voices, a whispering in his ear, and felt a major ghostly presence. This sent him packing. After this, he booked it out of the Stanley in the middle of the night, running out. Jim jumped in his car and fled. He went to stay at another local motel and, to public knowledge, didn't spend another night at the Stanley Hotel ever again. Jim Carrey's experience only enhanced the legend and folklore around the Stanley Hotel and Room 217. Today, the hotel stands as a beautifully restored testament to its glory days, when it served as a holiday retreat for wealthy urbanites. They offer a range of tours which highlight the history of the magnificent historical structure. They also offer a range of other amenities, culinary experiences, and lavish spa treatments. Apart from sightings of the hotel's founders, every single room in the hotel has experienced a spooky, sinister event. Paranormal activity everywhere. Reports include clothing being mysteriously unpacked, lights turning on and off, and objects moving on their own. Guests have even reported hearing the sounds of children's laughter and the sounds of someone running up and down the halls on the famously spirited fourth floor. Because of its fame as a haunted resort, the Stanley Hotel offers the opportunity to book specific rooms in the active fourth floor. What do you mean by active, you ask? Guests have most frequently reported paranormal activity there, specifically rooms 401, 407, and 428. The most requested on the property is the Stephen King Suite, room 217. In fun fact, the hotel estimates that the 217 number plate on the door gets stolen once a week. But overall, a reassuring sentiment. The hotel owners and employees insist there are no evil spirits lurking at the Stanley. Don't get them wrong, there's still plenty of paranormal activity there, just not of the creepy evil type. The Stanley Hotel employees assure that the ghosts there are happy ghosts. I like that. But that is open to interpretation. Among the friendly spirits, as I mentioned before, is Freeland Oscar Stanley himself, 
and his piano-playing wife, Flora. They've both decided to stick around their stately hotel in the afterlife. Many report hearing Flora play a tune on the music room's piano, or catching a glimpse of Freeland Oscar Stanley strolling the lobby. And if you stay in room 217, don't be surprised if you wake up to find your bags packed for you. Numerous guests have reported to waking up to their suitcases being packed for them as they sit by the door. And it's believed to be the ghost of the dearly departed chief housekeeper, Elizabeth Wilson. After her death in the 1950s, she reportedly began to haunt the room. And her ghost treats guests to that extra housekeeping service from beyond the grave. She also isn't so approving of unmarried couples sharing the bed. Many have reported to waking up feeling a strange supernatural force in between them as they sleep, almost as if someone's trying to separate them. Look, Miss Wilson is an old-fashioned woman and likes to make sure there's no funny business in her hotel. You get what I'm saying? Wink. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. The Stanley Hotel has had its fair share of unusual activity over its long history. And employees, guests, and historians alike agree that, believe it or not, it's difficult to ignore the reputation it's built as one of the most haunted hotels in Colorado, perhaps even the entire country. The Stanley has been sought out by every major ghost hunting show on TV in countless documentaries, podcasts, and amateur ghost hunters many of whom have discovered not one, but many paranormal hotspots spread across the hotel and its grounds. After years of studying, bolstered by the success of Stephen King's The Shining, the Stanley Hotel has become not only the most haunted hotel in America, but the most documented, boasting everything from full-body apparitions to strange sounds to paranormal pranks that have left more than one guest making a hasty retreat from the building. So, what makes this hotel so haunted? How can one place have so much activity? Despite activity being recorded in nearly every room of the hotel, some places have stood out more than others. First, we gotta talk about the Vortex. One hot spot in the hotel that has caught the attention of psychics and mediums worldwide is the hotel's main staircase. This has commonly been referred to as the Vortex. This stairway, which connects the hotel lobby to the second floor suites, is believed to be some kind of a paranormal portal. A tunnel of spiritual energy that is so often cited as the reason why so many ghosts and lost spirits continue to hang around the Stanley Hotel. It's not only psychics who believe this. Many guests and employees at the hotel have witnessed it for themselves and it continues to be an area with numerous documented sightings. A few years back, a Houston man named Henry Yao, a visitor at the Stanley Hotel, took a panoramic photo of the stairwell and lobby, the exact area that so many claim is some kind of a supernatural vortex. And he captured it on film. For those of you who are listening to the podcast right now, the photo is of the staircase, and on top of the landing is what seems to be photographed evidence of a ghostly apparition. Looking at the photo, there appears to be a ghostly figure standing at the top of the stairs. Some believe it's the ghost of Freeland Stanley himself. Others believe it looks more like a female entity. What do you see? The next area of the hotel that sees a lot of action is the concert hall, as we talked a bit about earlier. 
The concert hall was built by Stanley himself as a gift for his wife, Flora. And the hall has long been the site of some strange late night concerts. It would seem that Flora, who cherished the Steinway Grand Piano that Stanley had gifted her on the hotel's opening day, would play in the hall as often as she could. And according to employees and guests alike, it seems Flora's love of music never really left. Because even today, classical piano can be heard coming from the hall late at night, long, long after the musicians have left and the guests have retreated to their rooms. These ghostly concerts have been documented for years, but have noticeably increased since the hall was renovated in 2000, making it one of the most active spots in recent years. Many believe it's the spirit of Flora herself, still making sure that her guests are being entertained, or perhaps striving to keep that old world charm of the Stanley Hotel alive. And Flora isn't the only spirit there. There's a ghost named Lucy who reportedly wanders the concert hall and corridors of the hotel. She's been known to tamper with the lights and actively communicates with and answers questions from staff and parapsychologists via flashlights. Lucy's story and pre-death connection to the Stanley remains a mystery. Many believe she was a runaway or a homeless woman who found refuge there. Whatever her history, hotel employees insist Lucy's presence and distant playful humming lightens the energy and mood wherever she lingers. And there's one more spirit who was often seen, heard, and felt in the concert hall. A man by the name of Paul worked at the Stanley from 1995 to 2005. He died of a heart attack while en route from the hotel to the hospital after suffering chest pains. He was known as a jack of all trades, and one of Paul's responsibilities was to enforce the hotel's 11 p.m. curfew. And even after his death, it hasn't been uncommon to hear a faint and ominous, get out, in the after hours. Visitors will hear the stern warning, only to whip around to see who's yelling at them, but there's no one around. A construction worker standing the floor just a few years back believes Paul was brazen enough to physically nudge him to the floor after feeling two arms pull him back. And Paul is also known to flicker the flashlights of touring groups. Next up, we have the fourth floor. Now, the fourth floor is pretty legendary. While not as famous as some of the other areas, this area makes up for that fact in sheer numbers. Here, more than anywhere else, strange and unusual activities, including actual ghost sightings, are a regular occurrence. In the early days of the hotel, the fourth floor was just one big, enormous attic, used for storage during the winter months when the hotel would close down for the season. It wasn't until years later that it was built up, first as in-house lodging for female employees and their children, and later as hotel suites. One occurrence you'll hear over and over again is many guests on the fourth floor say they'll frequently hear the sounds of children running up and down the halls, laughing and playing into the late hours of the night. So much so that guests will call down to the front desk to make noise complaints. Hey, you kids, cut that out. Others being more brazen and will lean out of their rooms to tell the children to keep quiet, only to find the hallway completely empty. There's no children around. And in room 407, people have reported feeling tucked in by a spirit at night. A boy said one night he kept kicking his covers off and they kept being pulled back up throughout the night. The boy told his mom about this the next morning and his mother was quite shocked. 
He thought it was his mother tucking him in, but she claimed she did not wake up in the middle of the night, nor did she tuck him back in. So, who did? Another guest reported feeling someone sit on the edge of the bed, but when she ran to turn the light on, no one was there. She did, however, see an indentation, as if someone had just gotten up. And in room 413, several guests have reported seeing a man dressed in old-fashioned clothes standing in the corner of the room. Inside the rooms on the fourth floor, closet doors are said to open and shut on their own, and people's items, specifically clothing, tend to go missing, only to reappear later put away neatly in a drawer. A ghost helping me organize and unpack? Now, if I had a choice to be haunted, but the ghost just did chores for me, I'm not complaining. Not the worst kind of haunting, let's be honest. Of all the rooms, though, room 428 seems to be the most active, with reports of heavy footsteps moving across the room and furniture being rearranged as the occupants sleep. Even more chilling, the ghost of a lone cowboy has made himself known on countless occasions. He reportedly surprises sleeping guests by appearing at the edge of their bed. Strangely enough, there is no record of a cowboy dying in that room, but many Estes Park locals believe this is the spirit of James Nugent, known as Rocky Mountain Jim, a local mountain man and explorer responsible for much of the town's founding. Now, this cowboy ghost is known as a bit of a ladies' man. His spirit is said to gravitate more towards female guests, sometimes giving them a cold, ghostly kiss in the middle of the night. Can you believe that? Ghosts can kiss? Who knew? And finally, we have room 217, which we've talked about quite a bit, as it's the most legendary in the hotel. The Stanley may have its fair share of hauntings, but they all pale in comparison to the hotel's most notorious and coveted hotspot, room 217. As we've discussed, many believe this to be the most haunted spot in the entire hotel, which, if you believe the Stanley is the most haunted hotel, this would make room 217 the most haunted room in America. As we talked about, guests in room 217 have long been reporting personal items being moved around the room or lights being turned on and off, hearing the sounds of whispering as guests sleep, strange noises, temperature drops, that feeling that you aren't alone. It's safe to say that room 217 has left its mark and guests continue to experience strange things in this hotel to this day. Take John Mosling and his wife Jessica, who visited the hotel back in 2017 and left with the spookiest souvenir they could have ever hoped for. While taking the spirit tour at the hotel, the couple took pictures along the way, photographing the interior of the hotel, the hallways. But when they got home, they noticed two distinctively young-looking but blurry little girls on the staircase that they didn't remember. And there's just one problem. There were no young girls on the tour that night. The group consisted of adults only, and no one recalled any children running through the tour at any point. Woo! In case you're having trouble locating the apparitions, one ghostly whitish figure is on the stairs, looking into the landing area on the right-hand corner, the other ghost is a blurry figure seemingly going up or down the stairs on the left. This photo really spooks me. Another really chilling photo is one that was captured by a woman named Kim. 
she's from Texas and went to stay at the Stanley, and said one night it was around 9 p.m. when she snapped a patriotic shot showcasing the exterior of the Stanley Hotel with nearly half a dozen American flags on display. Kim looked at the photo she took a second later, and at first, she thought it was just the curtains. But at closer examination, the third-story window appears as if there's a young girl or woman standing between the curtains in the window, staring down at Kim. This photo has been widely debated, so you be the judge. Is it just curtains or something more? Whether you believe the Stanley Hotel is haunted or not, the history and legend around the hotel is one of those American stories that make up the fabric of our great country. The Stanley Hotel is a beautiful historical structure that offers a fascinating insight into one of America's early barons, Freeland Stanley, who was creative, driven, successful, and forward-thinking. It's also a wonderful place to stay in a town that's often cited as one of the nation's most scenic. Other than it being a stunningly beautiful hotel, its history and the Stanley Hotel itself has become such a part of American culture. If you're in Colorado near Estes Park, you're going to say, hey, let's stop by the Stanley Hotel. But what about you? Have you ever been to the hotel? And if so, did you have a spooky experience? If so, I want to hear. Please let me know in the comments here on YouTube. I so love hearing your stories and encounters. And I so appreciate that you all enjoy these kinds of stories. History is so important. I think we can all learn and take so much from all of those who came before us. And it's really places like the Stanley Hotel that make America so unique and special. Whether you go for the ghosts or for the experience, the Stanley Hotel is a must on everyone's bucket list. As always, I'm working on a big episode for next week, so mark your calendars. You're not going to want to miss it. And until next episode, I'm Avery Ross, and this is Avery After Dark.